Hello and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Norman Young. This is part of my 29 Days of Magic series where I interview a dynamic Black woman a day, every day for Black History Month. And today I am so excited to have Shana Spitz, who's founder and CEO of Hicks Leadership Consulting. She has an amazing story. I can't wait for you to hear more about it. Take a listen. So the way the podcast works is the first question is always the same. Answers are always hilarious because folks come from all different angles with it. I'm sure yours would be no different. So what was your first job? Wow, my first job, other than the typical babysitting, I think was having a paper route. I was in Maryland. I had a paper route where my I had a, a neighborhood that I had to travel around. I didn't want to wait. Um, everything was spread out. So I attempted to bike around and distribute these newspapers because I was so focused on, I'm a recovering perfectionist, getting it right, doing the <laughs> job, um, you know, meeting the deadlines. And, but, you know, you can only fit so many uh, papers in uh, in a sack on your bike when you're, you know, I think 12 I was. So I was quite enterprising back then, um, which is, you know, the the immigrant child of an immigrant just working really hard. That, of course. That with me, but that I always attribute my paper route to to my first to my first job. Awesome. Super enterprising. And uh, listen, as a child of immigrants and an immigrant, I fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> like you find your own way of making your own money and you just keep you keep making it happen somehow indeed. or high water. Indeed. I used to, you know, I had my young savers account and I would also stash some money under my bed. And my mom every now and then would come in and say, let me, let me grab some cash. And I was like, okay, you need to give me an IOU. And then every now and then I would try and collect. And she's like, um, are we not feeding you, clothing you? giving you shelter. So you need to go someplace else with all of that. So I'm like, well, why even have me go through this and take the IOU if you're not going to honor the IOU? But, you know, I'd get the side eye and <laughs> keep moving. She's like, and so what? Exactly. 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 Oh, that is amazing. But I'm fully, uh, I'm right there with you. Similar childhood behavior on my part. Okay. So we go from the paper route to having a chat with me today. Obviously, that journey <laughs> must have been quite windy and twisty. What was that career journey like for you? Wow, so much. I feel like I've I started someplace and in some in some ways I'm back where I started, but doing related work. So I started my career as an HR management consultant specializing in compensation plan design. And now I'm on the other side of things, doing HR consulting, focuses focusing on organizational health and employee well-being, because yeah. I've I've been in so many places, I've consulted to so many companies, I've worked in corporate, I've worked in education, I've worked in startup tech, and there were so many things that I saw that worked, and so many things that I saw that didn't, and I experienced that didn't work, and so the work that I do now is looking to alleviate pain points from the people perspective, some of which I witnessed and others that I experienced directly. And I'm looking to really create impact in the, in the world um, that I can be proud of, but that also makes me and others feel quote unquote good about the work that we're doing, if that makes sense. 
Oh, entirely. And what made you get the switch from being internal to now being the consultant? You know, I felt like I had been in all the spaces and it, it had run its course. Like I got to the point where I'm like, I know enough. I just didn't want to be in those spaces anymore because in many ways I didn't feel like I belonged. Um, it took me a while to figure out how I wanted to, what my legacy was going to be in the world. And I just didn't think it was going to happen from the inside, but I'd been on the inside long enough to know that I could, that I'd built the tools and built the the knowledge, skills, capabilities that I needed to be great. And I just wanted to operate from a place of autonomy that I just wasn't going to get on the inside based on uh, the experiences and the choices that I make that some of them, frankly, did not work for me. Right. So my, my, my life, my world really pivoted once I realized that I was at the center of the choices that weren't working for me. And I needed to take a step back and connect with my purpose um, before I really continued on my life's work journey. Yes, talk to me about that. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of us are in a similar boat about figuring out who, pray tell, I am and how that leads and aligns with purpose. Mm -hmm. Like what steps did you sort of take to help you figure that out? Uh, therapy. <laughs> uh, same, girl, I mean, same. I mean, th therapy was a big part of it. Getting quiet, reflecting. So my career had always been at the intersection of strategy, process, and people management and leadership. And I was always asked to come help somebody do what they wanted to do, what they what they needed to do, and help them achieve their dream. I was often kind of the backbone of something else, somebody else's something happening. I wasn't, and I'm still not intrinsically motivated to be out in front. And so I, while I, you know, I've, I've grown to be comfortable in that space because I'm a natural people person connector. I thrive off of other people's energy. But I was, I had to really think about were the choices that I was making serving me because I, I wasn't really pursuing the things that I was passionate about um, because I was always just helping other people being their number two. And so I really just wanted to, I took, when I took my I went on a purpose journey back in 2018 where I said, you know, I was running a startup. I was COO of a startup. Investors reneged on the funds. And after a year of building this organization with the co-founders, we had to shut the thing down. And I just was like, I'm at the center of what's not working. And I need to understand the choices that I'm making because I felt like I was just in this hamster wheel. The patterns of behavior were were clear and I wanted to just really explore why I was doing what I was doing. So I stepped into therapy and um, just really got quiet because growing up, I'd always called myself Shamus the Great. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And I just had lost sight of what made me great and like what energized me and gave me purpose. So, so yeah, so that was, that was a beginning of a time of deep exploration um, I was also recovering, like I was a workaholic at that point. I mean, I barely, 80 to 100 hour weeks were my norm. I was so focused on service and helping other people that I lost touch of how to 
serve myself, how to care for myself, how to make choices that allowed me to amplify my capacity to serve other people um, because I, I wasn't serving myself. And so I really needed to take a step back and do that. Wow. And when you came on the other side, what did you discover? That I really, I, I really love people and serving other people, but I needed to be less literal about it. Um, I had been in education for a bit um, because I thought I wanted to help facilitate learning, but I realized that it was the adult learning. It was the educa- uh, organizational learning, working with business leaders that really lit me up. Um, people had always come to me to say, Shamus, help me figure this out, out, help me fix this. And I had to learn to stop operating from a place of empathy, which can be depleting, right? I always over-identified with other people's suffering and I needed to move into a place of compassion, creating the space to help other people figure out how to serve themselves. Um, so once I realized that that was an untapped gift um, I got certified as a executive coach, um, and then I launched my own business uh, after I got my own coaching. And my husband's an entrepreneur, and we talk about everything. We we pretty much over communicate about everything. And um, and I decided that I was going to start my own business. And he's like, "We're not discussing this." I was like, "Nope." <laughs> You're like, and we're done here. I yeah. was clear. Like, it, I just I was so clear. Um, because I thought after my year on, as I call it, my my purpose journey, I thought I was going to go back into corporate and parallel path being an executive coach. But I do things like 120%. So from a well-being perspective, when I talked with other coaches, they were like, Shamus, if, if well-being is a challenge for you um, and you want to create something great, you're you, it's going to be hard for you to do both things. And so... Um, I got it because I, there was enough evidence to support that what they were saying uh, was true based on you know my past lived experience. So I really stepped out and launched my um, a company, Pitts Leadership Consulting. I thought I was only going to coach, and then I declared it on LinkedIn, and folks came out of the woodwork like, <laughs> "Come work with us over here." And then I I did my first workshop and realized that I'd been even my vision was I was still playing small because I really had the opportunity to integrate all of the things that I loved doing. Like I'd been doing corporate presentations since undergrad, working with boards and C-suite execs, like all the things, the the business process, all the strategy, the people, all of that. It was like, oh, here's my opportunity to really lean in to this work. And when I took a step back to really think about the impact I was having, it really came down to organizational health and employee well-being. Like we want to create environments that allow people to do their best work. Because if I would have had been in those environments, I could have thrived. If I would have had um, more access to coaching and mentorship and sponsorship and learning, like things would have looked a lot different. But part of it was also me having the tools to recognize what the, the gaps were to be able to close the gaps. Um, so we facilitate all of those conversations through the work that we do. And, and honestly, it, it lights me up to do this work every day. It's my joy. It's my purpose. And um, I had, you know, some bumpy roads, you know, there was a lot of bumps along the way uh, in my career to get to the point. But if I hadn't gone through those things, I wouldn't 
have learned what I learned, no regrets, and um, I'm better for it. Well, the thing about a lot of this stuff that folks have to remember that like we go through these things and we're like, oh my God, but we're better for them. It's like you don't lose, you will learn. And even in the things that feel like, oh my God, what have I done? You learn. Mm -hmm. That's right. You do learn. Fundamentally, you do, and it's okay, and you will be okay. That's right. That's right. But it's like having the time to reflect on the learning because oftentimes we're just moving from one thing to the next, right? And if we don't pause and take that time to digest it um, and be able to articulate what the learning is, then yeah, it's you're not really going to get all the the juiciness from it. You're not going to be able to articulate to that to other people so that they don't try and put you in a box of saying, oh, that didn't work, that didn't work. It's like, no, actually, I need. I went through that. This is the lesson. This is the learning. And for me, as long as you can um, communicate that to other people, right, which comes from a place of knowing, then you can take that and move forward. And it can be part of the, the awesome toolkit that you're building, right? That's and so impactful. Oh, my gosh. So much more impactful than this. Um, I actually want to talk to you about coaching. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm a huge advocate of it. I have a great coach. I've had him for years. Um, and oftentimes folks ask, like, how do you even begin? Or when do you know you need a coach? And I'm always like, yesterday. <laughs> this is like, so as a coach, will you explain to people why it's imperative to have one? Mm, because a coach is an accountability partner to help you discern what's most important today and where you want to go in the future. You have to have a vision for the future in order to build the roadmap of where where you want to go. For myself, I could have benefited from a coach because I was meandering and trying different things. I realized late in my life that I get bored. Like (laughs) The job changes I've had because I'm like, I can't keep doing this. I'm bored. And I need the intellectual challenge. So I would move into a different space, but I hadn't set my North Star vision. So I was able to go in different directions and I amassed a wealth of knowledge, but I didn't, that not setting that ideal vision, I could have gotten here a lot faster where I am today. Right. right? And so being able to charter that, coaching is all about understanding and creating forward momentum to reach your potential. You look at past uh, patterns of behavior, not to fix something, but to understand them so that you can then figure out, okay, how do I want to use this information to move forward? So it can speed up so many things because you have an accountability, a thought partner that's going to ask you, who's going to ask you powerful, thoughtful questions after understanding the context that you're operating to help you get to where you want to go. Coaching is distinct, right, from advising, although I do that too. That's Shamus giving her 25, 15 cent, uh, 50 cents, sometimes a dollar. But <laughs> outside, you know, and that's perfectly fine outside the realm of coaching because I'm sharing my lived experience. Um, you're, I, I consult to so many different types of organizations. Um, I've dealt with lots of business problems. So I can bring that in. I read a lot of academic research because it's just integral to being in the learning space. So that makes advisory fun for me, but it is not the same as coaching because advising is giving people answers. Again, you're basing it off of context after people are sharing. You're not just blathering out a whole bunch of stuff. 
But coaching, you want people, people need to develop their own sense of knowing that they got to answers on their own, right? It's based on questioning so that folks are more committed when they come up with their own solutions to take action to move things forward. Because you can coach with somebody all day long, but if you don't commit to action and do the thing, then it's not really a good use of time. All of this, I, you know, I always like to remind people this is distinct from therapy, which is sitting in a past wrong or harm to understand it, to, to get some sort of, to quote unquote, fix it or get some resolution, right? So there's a, there's a distinction there that I always like to make sure people are clear about. With coaching, there's no actual work product for the coach, although a coach may share resources, tips, tools, assessments, and things like that, but it's not consulting. So um, after a session, I don't have to go produce something right. for you, which, you know, people pay me to do that, and but that's not what coaching is, right? So helping people understand those distinctions is always key. I think working with a coach is valuable, but you have to be there has to be a certain level of readiness to do the work. That's what you, I, mean. yeah, I think that's the fundamental <laughs> piece about all of this is that you have to be ready. And, and I would so agree with you. I think about early on when I first started my business and I had my own agency, I met this like business coach guy and you know, he said all the right things, but it was so expensive. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there's no universe where I can afford this um, because, like, we're just starting out. Oh, when I look back on that now, he, he probably wasn't the right vehicle for the coach. But I do think having a business coach, life coach, whichever one you need, mm-hmm. um, is an imperative to being successful. Because a lot of the roadblocks, blockages, challenges I didn't see, repeated bad patterns that I made, I would have been able if they were if they if they're put in front of you. And I think that's the best part about what a coach does is they help put the stuff in mm-hmm. front of you and help you reframe it. Yeah, definitely. It would have made life a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, easier. it's it is. I mean, it's it's a wonderful skill to build, right? Even in my engagements that are more focused on transformational change initiatives that I do with organizations and teams. Before we get to advising, there's coaching questions that are asked in order to understand needs, um, figure out, understand the depths of different problems, what some of the, um, yeah, understanding the pain points and probing and understanding the context. The questions that I ask are all coaching questions because I'm not assuming anything, right? I'm just probing. I'm curious uh, because I don't, right? I'm not the expert of somebody's particular business problem. So it would be, um, even before I advise, it would be, it would potentially cause harm for me to come in and just start spewing, well, you should do this and you should do that based on what, right? There's so, so even finding somebody who can support an accountability partner, a friend, um, somebody who can ask to somebody who can be neutral in a particular situation to ask some open-ended questions to help get down to the nitty-gritty of what is living in the depths of the resource uh, the, the 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 depths of somebody's mind. You know, the mind can be a scary place. So, so you know, not knowing what's living it in there, be. like 
probing and, and getting thoughts out um, is such a valuable exercise um, because again, it's becoming the observer of, of thoughts and information can, there's so much that's going on in there in our subconscious that we're not aware of that just having some open-ended questions can help us that we bring to the surface can help us move so much faster. Like I had a call with my mentee um, earlier and she was saying some stuff and I was just like, when you talk about X, Y, Z, you light up, but you say you don't want to do that. Do you even know what doing mm -hmm. that thing even means? Because Every time I hear you, you're talking about loving this sort of thing, right? You're doing operations, but you talk about marketing stuff and your whole demeanor changes. So I'm going to send you some information to probe into, look at these different elements of this, what it means to be in this function. Here's some job descriptions, read it, right? But it's like, I didn't just come into the call and just tell her a whole bunch of stuff. I asked questions to really help her understand what was most important to her. And that's the power of coaching, right? It's the way you ask questions. It's the space, the neutral space that you create for somebody to just be with you because you're creating that space together and with their thoughts. Um, it's really powerful and it's actually pretty intimate. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it, it, it changes so much that you have to offer because it enables you to see yourself in a way that you've never even thought about seeing yourself. And again, I think it's really about that putting putting yourself in front of you in a whole new way. But yeah. I also know that since you're a coach, you have to absorb a lot. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so how do you decompress? Like, what do you do for your self-care? Uh, I journal every, almost every day, every weekday, sometimes on the weekend to when I talk about this, the scary recesses of somebody's mind. I process how I'm thinking, feeling. I set my intention. I say what I'm proud of. Uh, I There's things that are living in the depths of my brain that I've forgotten about that'll pop up and I'll put down on paper. Um, it's messy. It, I, I organize. I spend a lot of time on journaling. I spend, I journal maybe 15 minutes to 30 minutes a day. Well, it feels like a lot of time to me because I have a lot going on, but it's like my time um, to organize like what's most important today. Like I always got a laundry list of stuff, but really like what's going to move the needle for my business today. Um, so it's really important time for me. I, I always people are always like, oh, Sean is talking about that journaling thing again. I'm like, well, yeah, because I, I've seen I used to never journal. It wasn't something that um, I wanted to do. And for my coaching program, it was like a requirement and it took me a while to get into it. And then when I did, I just, it just, it's become, it's like my life. If I don't journal on a particular day, I'll know it because I'll feel it in my being Feel it that like my brain, like I'm not sorted. Like it's just, um, Something's it's a, off. yeah, it's a grounding practice for me. And, um, I toot my own horn. I, I just, it's like, I'm talking to my buddy, you know, but I'm talking to myself and I'm, and uh, yeah, it's just one of my favorite things to do. And if you would have asked me that five, six years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, that's never going to happen. I, physical well-being is my challenge. So I've recommitted to, I, I've, I had a stroke like back in the day, day, 
um, I had a congenital wow. heart defect that was undiagnosed. And so, and then shortly, and that was right before I graduated from business school. And then shortly thereafter, I somehow contracted active non-infectious TB. Um, maybe I was immunocompromised after the stroke, who knows? But so my physical therapy that I was doing to get regained like full um, strength in my right arm, like it didn't really take because I was on all these TB meds. So long story, not short, I, I needed, I committed to being in working with a trainer because I need to have a strong, like I my right arm's like 80%. So I need to keep it strong, keep my, you know, my upper body strong so I can support myself as I grow older. So the I was in a great routine and the pandemic completely messed me up and, you know, I'm not really great at working out at home. And so, um, my getting out and being physically active to strengthen my body um, is really important to me. But so it's a part of my my self care that I'm I'm challenged with, but I'm committed to, and I'm giving myself grace. But it's something that I'm always um, trying to you know create more space and commitment. I'm back working with my trainer, but I'm still only awesome. like one day a week. But I'm like I get to celebrate my one day, and I get to exactly like, one to, Yeah, I'm like trying to. <laughs> trying to get into that second one, doing more stretching, uh, because, you know, there's such a whole mind, body, spirit connection. So that's something that, you know, that I'm working on. So I, I'm always pretty honest about that. It's like, it's my, it's my challenge, but I know it's important to me and I stay committed to it, knowing that I'm making progress and not give myself a hard time about it. But I, but I, I'm trying to play the long game. So that's something I wanted to share. Otherwise, I mean, I spend, look, I talk a lot in my work about I talk about well-being in my in my work because I'm challenged with it myself. And as leaders, we know that in order to work at your best and optimize what you want to create in the world, not just for yourself but for your your teams and your organization, is to prioritize the self-compassion and to work on the the strength, inner strength um, in all forms, because the data show that that really amplifies. Um, your ability to see what the needs are of others and help them. And again, this all gets back to engagement, sustainability of an organization, et cetera. So one of my other, so I talk about it a lot. One of the other practices that serves me is just rest. I talk about sleep, rest, and renewal. I sleep like a champ. <laughs> I sleep like it's my job because- Because it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like sleep is foundational to our survival as humans. That's when our body heals. But everybody's sleep, the amount of sleep that everybody needs is different. I talk about sleep quality, not sleep quantity. Like my spouse sleeps two or three hours less a night and you know he operates fine, he's healthy. Like I need like a solid eight hours, eight and a half hours. So I, I sleep like a champ. Cognitively, I feel like I use my brain so much each day. If I don't get my sleep, like I'm fatigued, right? And I feel it like in my brain at the end of the day. And so I get my sleep. But I also believe in rest, like not actively doing like things that allow you to be. So my being involves me going for like a leisurely walk. My being also aligns with watching reruns of Murder, She Wrote and Columbo. That's, love both of them. That, yeah, like I'm dating myself, but I'm like, 
those things just allow me to just to chill. It's not new content. So my brain's not active when I do it. Cause I mean, obviously my brain's active cause I'm still here amongst the land of the living, but you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't, um, new content stimulates the brain a lot. So when I'm looking to chill out, I'm not binge watching new content because then it just energizes me in a way that isn't connecting for me personally with like my being chilling out. My renewal, I said I, at the top of our time, I'm a people person. I love working, you know, connecting with my mentees. I love meeting folks for food. I mean, it's New York City, right? So I'm forever out dining with folks, connecting with my neighbors on the block. I just, I enjoy being in conversation and getting to know people. It truly energizes me. So I just, I schedule connection time. I schedule, because I just connecting with other people, learning what's new, sharing, laughing. Um, that's my joy. So a lot of that uh, renewal time is involved with that. Awesome. Love it. It's just, you, you explain it in such a beautiful and wonderful way. I have one last question for you. Do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? Hmm. The thing that I always would love for folks to do, and and this might sound like a hokey coaching thing, ask for support. And I won't say ask for help because some people don't like the word help. It feels weak to them. I don't agree, but, you know, I get it. Like the word feedback. People don't like it. So much of the work that I do in the space of not just of coaching, but also in the advising, in the transformational change work, folks are so often afraid of asking for support to move things forward, to understand, to slow things down to renegotiate deliverables, deadlines. The world would be a really different place if folks gave themselves grace and recognized that nobody is an expert at every single thing. If that were the case, the world would be a very different place. But just be willing to, to be vulnerable and ask for help and support. Because that is empowering that is courageous and when we talk about getting places a lot faster i think that's a a pathway to get there it's it's strength asking for help it's strength saying that you don't know it's strength asking for more time to figure something out so that's what i would ask of ask of folks awesome i love it and it's so true. Just ask, y'all. Just really, it's that hard. Yeah, um, yeah. light. You have just been a delight. You have this warmth that radiates through our ears. Thank you so much for being part of 29 Days of Magic. And I'll put all the details in the show notes for folks to connect with you because clearly you'd be a phenomenal coach for someone out there or several Thank people you. out there. Thank you, Laura. It's been my honor, my pleasure. I mean, uh, this 29 days of magic to be a part of it just feeds my soul because there's so much magic in our community. And I appreciate your amplifying it because like we get to hear how other folks are out there doing their thing. 
um, we get to share that. So thank you for for amplifying my voice and the voice of other Black women in the, the world of work. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it, like I said, it's the love letter to Black women. And, you know, being able to shine a light on the amazing women like you is why I, I, I love to do this every February. So thank you so much. Thank you. And that is our show.